Hello and welcome to Rise of RevOps. This episode features an interview with Sid Kumar, SVP of RevOps at HubSpot. HubSpot is a leading CRM platform that provides software and support to help businesses grow better. Over the past 20 years, Sid has been at the forefront of the technology industry and has held senior leadership roles with responsibility for driving revenue growth, increased profitability, and new customer acquisition. At HubSpot, Sid is responsible for developing the go-to-market strategy and driving operational excellence to enable millions of customers to succeed. In this episode, we talk to Sid about aligning your organization around the customer journey, using data to drive efficiency, and keeping a focused eye on the ripple effects of RevOps. But first, a brief word from our sponsor. Rise of RevOps is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified's Pipeline Cloud is the future of pipeline generation for revenue teams that use Salesforce. Learn more about the Pipeline Cloud on qualified.com. And now please enjoy this interview with Sid Kumar, SVP of RevOps at HubSpot, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Rise of RevOps. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today we are joined by a special guest. Sid, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Excited to have you on the show. Excited to chat about RevOps at HubSpot and all the cool stuff that y'all are doing. Um, so let's get into it. How did you get started in RevOps? So I just got started in RevOps uh, during my time at, uh, at AWS, where I was uh, over there for about three and a half years, and I was leading our field sales operations organization there. And then about a year ago, I joined uh, HubSpot to build out the RevOps team here across marketing, sales, and customer success. Yeah, exciting. And we're going to dive into how you're doing that at HubSpot, which is super exciting. What's your definition of RevOps? Yeah, it's a great question. I think there are so many uh, definitions out there, and it's an evolving organization and construct. And the way I think about it is connected go-to-market. What are the capabilities required from a systems, data, people, process standpoint that allow you to take a really, truly connected go-to-market approach uh, across your customer journey. So that, that's my definition. And I think uh, my the framework generally fits into that. I love that. Connected go to market. That's a yeah. that's very succinct. There's a there's a marketer in there. Said, <laughs> I, can, I can just tell. And so with that connected go to market, what does that look like at HubSpot? What's like the scope? I mean, we all know everyone knows HubSpot, but like, what's the size and the scope of what you're dealing with from a RevOps perspective? Yeah, you know, RevOps, what it what it is today is uh, multiple different functions that make up the, the RevOps stack, I'll call it. Um, starts with go-to-market strategy and, and uh, operations. So what I lead is a team called Functional Go-to-Market Strategy and Operations within RevOps that aligns with our marketing, sales, and customer success teams on everything from um, in-year to mid, mid-term type of planning on, and strategy to in-year execution of that plan. Uh, it also includes enablement. So for our field reps and frontline managers, how do we make sure they're uh, highly successful and ramped up and ready to go from, from day one? Uh, data, systems, and, and then we also have a longer-term strategy function that thinks three to five years out that then connects with our in-year execution. So that's how, that's how we define RevOps at, uh, at HubSpot today. 
I love it. And uh, and within that team, obviously, pretty pretty big remit to have that strategy side, the very far looking stuff, in and amongst the the you know the day to day stuff, which right. is pretty exciting. You think that's a little unique to your organization, or or is that something that you think is going to be more popular here soon? Yeah, I think there's some core elements that you you just start to see that you need in a RevOps function. You do need to think longer term to, to see what does your total addressable market look like? How are you going to go after it and pivot your go-to-market model if needed to go after it in the most you know efficient and effective way possible? So I do think there's always going to be some element of how do you look out in the horizon and see what's the opportunity? How do you go get it? And then an element of how do you plan to go capitalize on that? opportunity and what is the execution that's underneath it. So that's the way we've organized it here. I think you'll see more and more organizations come to realize that these are some of the critical elements of the strategy and planning side, but then you still need to underpin them with great data, um, a strong foundation there, along with a systems and automation framework that helps drive that, that productivity and efficiency. Any key learnings in the first year uh, in the role? Yeah, key learning would be to, to really orient your go-to-market uh, organization around a common customer journey and align each of those different phases to what, what does the North Star look like? What does customer success look like at each of those different phases? So we talk about attract, engage, and delight. And how do you then think about the, um, the role of marketing, sales, and customer success across the customer journey? So you're thinking about it from a customer in as opposed to a function or HubSpot out and creating just a a shared understanding of what that journey looks like across each of the different teams. So you, you, you just have that, you reduce the friction and you have like a seamless customer experience across end to end. All right, let's get to our first segment here. Rev obstacles. Obstacle, obstacle. An obstacle. There's your obstacle. We talk about the tough parts of RevOps. Uh, what's one of the hardest problems that that you faced in the last six months? I know you kind of detailed a, a bit of one there already. Data. Data is one of those areas that can always continue to evolve, and and getting very clear on on definitions. How are you going to architect your data foundation to support scale? Is this an area that I think is, is a continual process of, of evolution and, and improvement? So we're, we're spending a lot of time thinking about what's the first party data that we need to, to really efficiently and effectively run the business. In addition to what's the third party data that we need to go supplement um, our first party data with to, to really um, have an end to end view of that customer experience and that journey from end to end and how we can be more effective in our interactions and engagements with our prospects and customers. So that's been, that's been a big area of focus for us over the past six months or so. Yeah, it seems like, you know, with, with HubSpot having so many customers, so many different sort of products and, and, and product SKUs and all that stuff that the, uh, the difference between sales and upsells and all that stuff is, is potentially endlessly complex. How do you think about sort of making sense of all the complexity? Yeah, I think it goes back to really thinking about that end-to-end customer journey. So if you really trace a prospect through to the point where they become a customer and then 
from the point of sale to the post sales and retention and loyalty side, it's really thinking about that customer as a relationship, the prospect that turns into a customer as a relationship that doesn't end with the sale. It's really about making sure they're getting activated, they're using the product, are they getting the ROI that we that, that we anticipated they would get when they uh, signed on with HubSpot. And it's really thinking about it as a customer for life, as opposed to tran- different transactions along the along the customer journey. So that's that's our philosophy. It's why we also think about our customer journey as a closed loop, as opposed to a funnel. We don't we don't use the funnel. We think of it as a flywheel. That's very much about uh, attracting and engaging and delighting our customers. And if they're happy, there's word of mouth. They're going to talk to other potential customers about it. They're going to reference um, their experience in communities and other um, forums to get uh, get that flywheel continuing to, to spin. I'm curious, you know, how do you balance supporting so many departments with sales, marketing, and CS and, and sort of that that fixed pie that we kind of all feel in RevOps where it's there's a lot of mouths to feed and only so much bandwidth? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. The first thing I'll say is ruthless prioritization. It's really around what's going to drive impact for the customer experience or what's going to help drive impact for the rep experience. I mean, those are the two big anchors I would, I would use to prioritize around from where do we go spend our time, effort, and energy. Um, I mean, the way we have it organized is we have three pillars that align to, uh, to, to those different functions. So we have a marketing strategy and operations team, a sales strategy and operations, and then customer success. And then I, um, we have a team that uh, is called the Flywheel um, Analytics and Planning Team. And that is really thinking about what are those horizontals that cut across marketing, sales, and customer success that can be done in a more ef- efficient way or need to be done in a more connected and, and collaborative way so that you have an integrated plan or you have an integrated set of um, compensation models uh, between sales and customer success. So balancing that horizontal connective tissue with functional depth. So there's going to be certain things that only are relevant um, for marketing, for example, or for sales because of the nature of those functions. But looking at where are their commonalities and similarities, where do they need to be talking and engaging with the other functions much more um, deliberately and intentionally and identifying those points just gives us a model where we can be highly efficient but also be able to go really deep where we need to at a functional level. Is there any sort of RevOps moment or a, a mistake that you see other RevOps leaders sort of making uh, pretty common? I think it's easy to make a change that seems fairly minor in one part of the organization, call it customer success, but not fully think through what are the implications to the other, the other pillars like sales and marketing and to the customer experience. So I think it's really important in a connected go-to-market model and the job of RevOps candidly is to be thinking about the end-to-end customer experience and what are the ripple effects of making a change in any one part of that engine on the rest of the, the organization. It could be simple things like how you're incenting different parts of the organization and what are the unintended um, effects or impacts on other parts of the organization and is that the aggregate behavior that you're trying to drive or did you solve one thing and then create another challenge somewhere else? So just thinking holistically really about that customer experience and then how does this go-to-market engine um, show up holistically to go support that? 
Any other thoughts on uh, rev obstacles or, or obstacles that they see people making? Yeah, I, I think the other area is just really thinking hard about where where to automate as opposed to where to, to have humans involved, right? And I, I think it's easy to look at a, a challenge or a problem and throw throw more people at it. And some, sometimes you just need to in order to figure out what a more scalable and extensible solution is, but also knowing when to go pivot. If you're solving the same problem multiple times over and over through manual processes, having a framework on when do you go automate that or when do you go prototype that to be a, a, a more scalable and efficient approach, I think is is uh, is going to be prudent, especially um, in the market market environment that we're currently in right now. All right, let's get to our next segment, the tool shed. Hey, Brandon, Michael, want to do me and mom a favor? Get off that shed. This is my favorite place, <laughs> the tool shed. Get off the shed! We're talking tools, spreadsheets, metrics, just like everyone's favorite tool. Qualified, <laughs> no B2B tool shed is complete without qualified. Go to qualified.com to learn more. Check them out. Sid, what's in your tool shed? What are the softwares, the tools, dashboards, what systems are you spending the most time in? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we are HubSpot. We're a CRM, so we we run our business on HubSpot, and and HubSpot is a CRM platform, but has a you know provides that end to end connected go to market uh, approach through a marketing hub, a sales hub, and a service hub to really uh, go across that customer journey. So we do use that, and we we run our business on HubSpot. We use um, we use Looker. As our as our BI tool that sits on top of HubSpot and our other uh, data platforms to get us the insights and analytics. Uh, on top of that, um, we we use conversational intelligence to go look at um, what what are our customers saying and how do we get um, insight into patterns and trends that are happening across the number of customer and prospect calls, and wh- what are the patterns and and um, trends that are emerging where we could we can go do something proactively to go either um, address areas that are challenging or uh, conversely capitalize on uh, new opportunities that are that are out there. Um, so, uh, and then we're, we're evaluating just, you know, what does our broader technology stack look like and where are there opportunities to add um, area, add new capabilities that are going to improve, as I said, either the customer experience or the, um, the rep experience, make it more productive and efficient. And what are the metrics that that matter to you? What do you stare at all day and try to try to optimize? <laughs> yeah, we, we look at uh, if I go, uh, you know, from the beginning of the customer journey, from attract, engage, and delight at, at the attract level, we're looking at things like uh, awareness, looking at our media properties, and how are how are those impressions driving content leads and signups for our solution, and then ultimately leading into creating demand for our sales team. So those are some of the metrics we'll look at through demand. And then from a sales perspective, we'll, we'll look at sales velocity. We'll look at ASPs and win rates. We're a high volume, high transaction business. We focus on SMB. So those are pretty uh, important, relevant metrics there. And then on the post-sales side, really looking at are we activating customers quickly, helping them get time to value uh, as, as efficiently and effectively as possible, helping them meet their use case. So how does our usage and adoption look like? And then all the way leading through to uh, renewal and expansion. So those are those are just some of the 
higher level metrics, and then each of those will have a couple of uh, double and triple clicks into them. Yeah, can you give me an example of one of those that you do need to always kind of double click into and make sure that you're not feeding some some incorrect information into the system there? Yeah, I think a, a really important one is is demand creation or deal creation. It's really looking at what does it take to create a deal, and how yeah. do you how do you really go look at what are all the sources of pipeline, and what does the rep need to create. Yep. on their own versus what's going to come from marketing or from partners. It's taking a really sort of aggregate but deeper view into all sources of pipeline and and how how a rep is going to create a, a book of business to go um, progress and close. That's that's one I would say is really you could keep keep double clicking on that one. Uh, yeah, quite well, a- no, I, I'd love to. I mean, well, and because it's such a it's such a hard one to judge, you know, back in the day we said, you know, 13 impressions equals sale, right? You know, that was kind of the old adage. Now it's I don't know what it is, but it's it's a whole lot more than that. Um, and what is an impression? What is a uh you know, how do you weight those things, all of that stuff? Yeah, curious to your process there. Yeah, and I mean you could look at each of those different sources of pipeline and then go look at what do you want that relative mix to be? And and then go trace the the chain all the way up to say, okay, if I want X percent of this pipeline to be rep generated by a rep, what am I doing as an organization, as a RevOps organization, to make that rep highly efficient and productive in creating that pipeline? So it goes back to uh, having a point of view of you starting all the way with total addressable market. What is the total addressable market? for the company or for the solution in that particular geography or segment. And, and then within that, really understanding how many accounts within that, that, that patch are, are actual customers, how many are prospects, and then what motion are you going to go after to activate the prospects and then, and then go uh, continue to engage with your installed base. So it's really taking a starting with TAM or total addressable market and then, you know, double clicking all the way down to how do you make it easy for the rep to figure out where to prioritize their time, you know, and, and looking at high propensity accounts. So leveraging, yep. you know, ML models to look at high propensity accounts. Where is there the best fit? Where, do the, where does the intent exist? And then from there, uh, really making sure whatever time they're spending on prospecting is going to be the most highly efficient and effective use of time so then they can spend the rest of the time on uh, progressing and closing those opportunities that they they've identified does that make sense yeah for absolutely and and i love that stuff i mean that is like so fun to me looking at that because as someone who who was a salesperson sitting there owning a number you know calling on (laughs) calling on accounts (laughs) like i you know it was so brutal when you knew in your heart like these 20 accounts, my boss says I need to call them and I know they ain't buying. Like I know that they're just not the right prospect for us. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's the sort of stuff where, goodness, when RevOps can come in and say, hey, you know what? Those 20 accounts, they're definitely not, we should not be calling those as many times because they don't have a high pr- propensity to buy. I mean, like those are the things that, that really help sales. That's, that's exactly it. It's just how do we leverage the data and all the, just the advances in, in AI ML to be more intelligent about where to go spend that time, right? And, and continue to learn from it. 
never going to get it perfect, but you can just keep iterating and getting smarter about it. Curious about metrics as it relates to churn. I don't know if you if you all call it churn or, or what you call it, but as a customer success function and figuring that out, obviously that's the name of the game in addition to upsell or cross-sell. And I'm curious, uh, how do you think about that and any, any uh, metrics or, or special uh, double-click into those metrics that matter to you? Yeah, no, that's a great question. We think of it as retention, right? We think of it as retention from a dollar perspective and also from a customer perspective. Okay. And, and then looking at what are the actions and behaviors that lead to high retention. And then if you have a high retention, what are the leading indicators that signal that the customer is ready for expanding that footprint and going, uh, going broader with either um, more seats for an existing solution or expanding to another hub? I mentioned we have multiple different hubs that sit on top of an integrated CRM platform. So that, that's how we think about it is really more the behaviors of a happy, satisfied, healthy customer. And then how do we use that to go um, look at the broader portfolio of what customers are coming up for renewal that are part of our broader install base and driving proactive engagement with them across those different um, motions. Any insights to what makes a happy customer in the numbers? <laughs> uh, that's always helpful. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's adoption and getting value. It's making sure that it sounds, uh, sounds trite, but it really is, did the value proposition that the customer believed they would get when they signed the deal, are they getting it? Are they getting it in a short period of time? And is it frictionless and seamless from, from that experience? And I think we really spent a lot of time thinking about how do we make that experience from them becoming a customer to getting immediate and ongoing value? We spent a lot of time thinking about that and really educating them. You know, we have a lot of capabilities out there, like, you know, our community, our, our network, our academy around helping them learn from other customers around best practices, others that might be in their industry trying to solve specific use cases. So we're there, our partners are there in the ecosystem as well as other customers. So it's really trying to give our customers multiple different ways of learning and engaging and interacting on how to get the most out of their their solution. As I mentioned earlier, just really making it an ongoing relationship versus something that's transaction. I love that. That's great. Yeah, that's Any yeah. blind spots that you wish you could measure better? Yeah, I think it goes back to what's the best way a rep can spend their time? You know, what's what should the mix of prospecting time or closing a deal or or progressing a deal, working with partners? I think really understanding an optimal mix of time in a day for a given model. I mean, it'd be a really interesting thing to understand. It's, I wouldn't say it's an area we've spent a ton of time on, but would be very interesting. And then conversely, on the customer success side, um, where should a customer success rep be spending their time to make sure our customers get maximum value from, from their solution? What are the sets of activities and what sort of ratios should they be spending that, that time to, to maximize value on the, on the end for the customers? Anything cool that you're doing with data uh, or any any insights that you've you've got in the past year, something that stood out? Yeah, I, it's it's building really that I'll call it the fit and intent and propensity engine to give us a a real sense of what leads should a should a rep be prioritizing 
where in in their broader territory or, or set of accounts should they be spending time on just proactive prospecting? So really putting the science underneath that and identifying what are the variables and data points that give us the best sense of that prioritization, just I think is just a huge opportunity to take a lot of inefficiency and just wasted cycles out of you know a rep's day. So it's something that we've been spending a lot of time on. Um, and I and I think you said it earlier. I don't think most reps do not enjoy prospecting, especially when it's a no. you know an undifferentiated list that's without a prioritization. So the easier you can make it, and the more um, curated that list can be, you certainly have time savings, but you also create a higher likelihood that those deals are going to progress and have higher win rates and ultimately uh, turn into revenue and then ultimately commissions for the reps. So that's why I think there's so many positive benefits from getting that right and being more, more data-driven in that approach. All right, let's go to our next segment, Quick Hits. They're quick questions and quick answers. All right. Sid, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. If you could make any animal any size, what animal would it be and how big would it be? I think it would be an elephant that could um, you know, be the size of a domestic pet. So something that would fit in my house like a, like a dog. Dog-sized element. elephant. Dog-sized you got elephant. it. <laughs> exactly. Do you think there's misconceptions about rev, RevOps or perhaps the biggest misconception? Yeah, there, there are a lot of misconceptions, but it's, it's, a, it's an evolving field. I think the biggest misconception is that it's sales ops part two. And it, it couldn't be farther from the truth than that. It's, it's really a horizontal connected go-to-market uh, approach, as I mentioned before. It touches marketing customer success as well. Do you have a favorite movie character all time? Ferris Bueller. Ooh, that's a good one. What about a RevOps prediction for next year? So I don't know if it's a RevOps prediction for next year, but it's a RevOps prediction is that RevOps becomes a C-suite role. Couldn't agree more. What would be one piece of advice that you would have for someone who is newly leading a RevOps team? I, I would say focus and alignment. It's to not is be really clear on what you're trying to achieve and making sure that the entire go to market um, team is aligned to to those areas before trying to tackle things in silos. Last question here, Sid, I'm curious, you know you work in a large uh, revops organization. For someone who is in a smaller revops organization, you know a couple person shop, uh, any advice that you would give to to those folks who are who are lean and mean? Yeah, I, I think it's. I would really say start with establishing a strong data foundation. It's one of those areas that is harder to do later once your business starts to grow and scale, and the complexity, the variety, the velocity of your data starts to really take off. Um, easier to get that d- decide earlier on what that's going to look like and start building it from the ground up. It'll make it a lot more efficient later. Awesome. Sid, thanks so much for our listeners. Obviously, you can check out HubSpot.com to learn more about HubSpot and all the amazing stuff that they do. And for any other stuff, you can check out Sid on LinkedIn or or, or wherever else. Sid, any final thoughts? 
No, just thanks for thanks for listening and uh, excited to share more with you about the RevOps journey ahead. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sid. Thank you for listening to Rise of RevOps. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening. This podcast was created by the team at Qualified. The Pipeline Cloud is the modern way B2B revenue teams generate pipeline. Learn more at qualified.com.